Durant. Oh! A jawbreaker! Curry with a drive. Blocked by Jackson. Bane, step back three. Bingo! Okay, welcome into another episode of the Core 4 Podcast on the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network. I am Matthew Gill, joined today by David Buckler. We're going to be running a little two-man game tonight. Xavier feeling a little bit under the weather, but we'll have him back next week. Uh, so get better, Xavier. Shout out to him. But uh, today, Dave, we're going to be talking about uh, the update that came out on Desmond Bain's injury. We're going to look at the upcoming schedule for the Grizzlies and talk trades trade season really gonna officially be starting here pretty soon but Dave let's start here we stayed up late tonight to watch the Grizzlies blow out the Hawks 128 to 103 any big takeaways from that matchup no not any real big takeaways uh get you know considering the injury report for the Hawks tonight and of course we were missing John Moran as well and Steven Adams so no big takeaways other than it's nice to win these kind of games you know we'd certainly be having a different conversation if Atlanta would have come in and knocked us off, you know, pretty routine 128-103 win. Uh, and again, certainly nice to win these kind of games, but g- given the product Atlanta put out on the floor, this is, I think, what we expected. Yeah, and I think, I don't really have any huge takeaways either. I got a couple shout outs, but yeah, these kind of piece it together, skeleton crew wins that the Grizzlies have kind of become famous for over the last two years, like this one doesn't really rank up there to mm-hmm. me. Uh, because of the fact that there was no Trey Young, no DeJounte Murray, no Clint Capella, no John Collins, no nobody for the Hawks, and they were coming off a of back-to-back. So, or this was the second night of their back-to-back. So, uh, yeah, this doesn't really rank super highly in those uh, kind of next-man-up games that we've been calling them the last little bit. So uh, I'm with you there. Nothing super big to take away. But I, I do want to say Jaron looked incredible defensively, yes. uh, tied a career high, and – uh, excuse me, set a career high and tied a franchise record with eight blocks in that game. Uh, and again, Tyus Jones, another great start out of him. Um, finished with 22 and 11, had three turnovers, I think, which is a little bit unlike Tyus. He is the king of the assist to turnover ratio. But, uh, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about Tyus coming up later on. But yeah, solid game. Uh, all in all, a good win, as you said, kind of ho hum. Just keep buzzing along man grizzlies are dominating december right now they're on a pretty big winning streak and haven't lost yet in the month yeah yeah absolutely and and you're right you're correct our depth was on display tonight it it's not as impressive a win but we have some nice regular season depth and it gave guys a chance to play extended minutes xavier toman played 20 minutes tonight uh you know uh, roddy played 22 kennedy chandler i know is a favorite of yours played 23 i want to ask you do you see him improving and really settling into that backup point guard role? This was definitely his best game by far. He had uh, a couple highlights. Obviously, the dunk in the first half was incredible, uh, showing off that explosiveness. And a great game distributing the basketball as well, hooked up with Brandon Clark on an alley-oop as well. Uh, so, yeah, I really liked what I saw to him. You can see kind of the growth. And I think he's a guy who's super, super competitive, and is itching for those opportunities to play. So it's a really good thing that he is making the most of that opportunity showing out on a game like tonight. And um, yeah, like you said, it's awesome. In the, the the good thing about these games is it does give uh, guys lower in the rotation an opportunity to kind of shine. David Roddy had some good moments at the end as well. Uh, as you said, Xavier Tillman able to produce and not look completely ineffective in that game as well. And, and Aldama looked really good and had a good yes. game as well. Um, 
and all those things are great, but like, I'm kind of at this point, like we, we, we're all waiting for the full lineup still. Right. And that's kind of the thing. Um, one other thing I wanted to ask you about this game against Atlanta, were you surprised at all that Jaron and Dylan Brooks re-entered the game towards the end, even though they had a 28, 30 point lead? A little bit. I'd like to kind of hear more from Coach Jenkins on what the idea behind that was. Uh, so I don't know. I, I'd have to I have to wait and see what the reason was. Uh, how about you? Like, what, what did you think when you saw that? So <laughs> there, the part of the reason I brought it up was I did have a bet on Jaron to score 15 points, which I needed him to get <laughs> at the end. So selfishly, I was like, yes, get him back in the game. Uh, get him that last bucket because he was sitting on 13. But I found it super odd. Yeah. Um Maybe even more so for Dylan. He didn't need to be out there at all. I can get the argument for Jaron being that he is still trying to get in full game shape and you want him to take advantage. They've they've clearly obviously planned out the games that he's going to play. And I think for them to stick to that schedule, it is important that he plays a full 28 to 30 minutes. So I would assume that that plays into it. Um for Dylan, I don't know. Maybe just some of the other dudes were just were just gassed and <laughs> needed needed a breather because I mean they were shorthanded, obviously. Um, so so I would assume that that played into it, but it, it definitely gave me a little bit of pause, especially um, the play where a Kongwu blocked Jaron and they ended up under the baseline. We've talked about that, like how guys get tangled up with camera people and yep. you know fans and stuff like that under the baseline. So I, I, that was a little bit of a. Uh, hold your breath moment because Jaron didn't come back into the picture um, until the, the the dead ball stoppage on a foul on the other end of the court. So, yeah, that made me a little bit nervous. But, um, yeah, I guess they're just trying to get him back in his normal rotation. Uh, one more thing before we get to our last uh, – excuse me, our first segment of the day, Dave. Um, the Grizzlies have kind of snuck in to the contention conversation only a half game back in New Orleans right now. Uh, how good of that? How good does that feel? I know you talked a little bit last week about how important it was for you to get a top four seat. So, how does it feel to have a be in the two spot right now? It feels real good, and we're going to talk about the, the next ten games. And actually, I included the Atlanta game in 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 my breakdown there that we're going to get to in a second. And uh, the note I made for myself here, Matt, is we've given ourselves a little bit of cushion here now. You know, sitting at uh, at eighteen and nine, and uh, if we would have. Uh, some difficulty over the next uh, nine games coming up here now that I think are pretty significant games. You're getting a little more of the iron of the NBA. And I think we had a little bit of a softer schedule the last couple of weeks, and, and it has given us a little bit of a cushion so that, it, that, that um, it, climbing up now to the two seed, it feels, it feels really good. And I, I, I reiterate, I think we need to be a top four seed as we've discussed before. Uh, I'm not taking that for granted. So I, I I'm, I'm feeling much better about the season overall. How about you? Yeah, I agree. I mean, it kind of snuck up on me. I, I hadn't been looking at the standings that much. And then uh, on Twitter, saw the, the, the you know, the Sports Center post of the Pelicans are the number one seed. And then, you know, shortly thereafter, the Grizzlies right behind them. So, uh, yeah, really good feeling. As you said, it was a little bit of a weaker schedule. Like we said, they haven't lost in December yet. And it's it's good because they took advantage they did what they were supposed to do. They took care of business in those games. You play against a Sixers team that's banged up. You play against a Pistons team uh, without their best player twice. The mm-hmm. Thunder in there, um, which is a team that the Grizzlies have historically dominated. So, yeah, this first half of December has been really favorable for them, and they took care of business. They did what they're supposed to do. But, um, yeah, we'll talk more about what the rest of the month looks like here in a little bit. 
Uh, I did, for, Matt, I did have a, a, a yeah. quick uh, question for you about the, the Atlanta game tonight before we move on. And and I do think if you look at the box score, it stands out. Zaire Williams, 21 minutes tonight, four points. You know, it's not been a real great return to the lineup for Zaire. Is there any pause for concern at this point? Or is he still just you know, rounding back into shape? Uh, are you concerned at all with his lack of production? Yeah, and the concern, I'm glad you brought it up. I actually meant to mention this as well. Still hasn't hit a three, which is really the thing that I was looking for him to add to this team is shooting. That may just be a rust component. I think that we got probably a little bit spoiled with Jaron's return as we chronicled. It was uh, pretty much unprecedented how good Jaron's looked since he came back. And Zaire might take a little more time. I will say another thing that a lot of people have been talking about online, and I um, made sure to look at for tonight as well, is he's bigger. He has grown. He may be a, he may be almost seven foot now. Like, he is a super tall dude. Um, the great Chris Vernon, who does an incredible job covering Memphis sports, was saying that he was looking into it. And, you know, Zaire had been listed all year with this, um, you know, this knee soreness, which is very common amongst young people who are still growing. And that that may be a big part of why his injury, you know, Oshkut Slaughters is a thing that a lot of people get. And I think that he is taller and that could contribute to why it took him a little bit longer to get back onto the floor at all. And it could be contributing to the reason he's not shooting the ball as well so far and maybe looks a little bit less uncomfortable still maybe trying to figure out like what his body can now do and, and getting the timing right of a jump shot um, for an NBA professional is is you know it takes years to hone in right and mm -hmm. if you suddenly grow two to three inches over an offseason it may take you a little bit of adjusting before you can hit shots but I have faith um I still think he has maybe the best jumper from a form perspective on the team so I think that it will come around at some point and that's really where what I'll be looking um for him to add is the is the shooting component and maybe this year isn't when we see the full um display of what he can be as a secondary ball handler but that's something that you know obviously everybody was excited about uh for his return speaking of injuries and coming back from injuries let's jump over to our first segment here dave uh came out last week bane's gonna miss three to four more weeks it looks like with that toe injury uh does that timeline match up with what you expected or does that give you a little bit of concern it gives me a lot of concern it, it lines up with the timeline. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not upset about the timeline and the team is winning games. We've given ourselves, like we talked about a little bit of cushion here and I'm very happy with the way the team is playing, but Desmond Bain adds a component to this team that is very unique. We don't have a whole lot of three point shooters. When you start looking at the grizzly shooting statistics as a team, they're not, they're not very impressive. So when you, you factor in, uh, for example, uh, we shoot, let's see, 30, what is it? Uh, 35.8% from the three-point line as a team, and Desmond Bain shooting 45%, 10% over our three-point percentage as a team. You look at what he's shooting at the free-throw line, it's so much better than what we shoot as a team. And, and I think his skill set, because we cannot replace it with one or two other guys on the team, it's vital that we have it as we get into the spring and into the playoffs. Toe injuries worry me. Problems with the feet always worry me. If you're going to tell me in four weeks he'll be back and it'll be fine, I'm okay with it. I am scared that we're going to wake up one day and say he's going to have either season-ending surgery on the foot 
or we're looking at an extended another two months. What do you think? Yeah, it's definitely concerning. It lines up with what I don't know. It seems a little bit longer than I would have expected. I would have thought two to three weeks was going to be the number. And maybe three to four is an indication that they want to be overly cautious, which I'm fine with. I've always said, I've said it a couple of times on this show, as long as we get to the turn of the calendar and this team is fully healthy, um, if we play the Kings on New Year's Day with a fully healthy lineup, that would be really good, in my opinion. That may not be the case if this really does end up being three to four weeks. Um, that may put us past that timeline by a good bit. So it, it is concerning. The, the thing to me that you pointed out and something that we talked about on the last episode, the free throw shooting, it's so... It's such a weapon when you have a guy like that. And, and and Xavier pointed out on that show that we only have two guys shooting over 80% from the free throw line. It's so vital that you have a guy that you can just give the ball to when you're, when you're in a situation where you're up one, you're inbounding the ball. There's three seconds left. Just knowing that you can get it to Desmond Bain and he's going to make one more than likely two of the free throws every time that, that you're in that situation is it comes into play so often and even more so in the playoffs. Having a guy that you can just inbound the ball to, take that foul right away, and and really ensure yourself wins by hitting those free throws is, is vitally important. And that's a big thing that he brings to this team, as well as the three-point shooting, which, as you said, and we just talked about with Zaire, has not been great for this team and really was going to be the next evolution of this team, in my opinion, to take them to championship contending levels. So they really need Bain, in my opinion. and And this is a duo in the backcourt of him and Jao that has been discussed as the best in the NBA. And you got to take advantage of that when you have two guys like that and Bain, as I've said, also just one of the best values in the entire NBA making like $2 million a year. And is going to, and could be an all-star had he not missed this time, in my opinion, the way he started out the year. So it, it's such a big hole to fill. And I, I don't really know who can fill it. Uh, on this roster in that time. I do wonder, I I, I saw, um, as, as probably many people did who watched the game tonight, they were talking to Danny Green during the broadcast. I wonder if he will be back before Bain and if maybe he can uh, supplement some of that three-point shooting. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, that would be fantastic. And I think we kind of want LaRavia to also be one of those yep. who can spot up and hit a, hit a three and really a pure-looking jump shot. But Bain, to me... Matt is one of our few heat check guys that can get ir- ir- you know irrationally hot sometimes and just and just light it up. And I think in the modern NBA, you got to be able to score the ball, you know. And and at some point in the playoffs, we we keep looking because this is a good team. And we, and at some point though in the playoffs, you know when everything's going bad, you need a guy who can hit a three at the shot clock, or you're down by twelve and he can get hot and bring it back quick. The Warriors are great; they blitz people out of the third quarter all the time. And, and Bain is one of the few on our team that we trust with that. Well, you know, Dylan Brooks at times, I thought Dylan was very, very good tonight, five for seven mm-hmm. from two. And I, I have been on his case for a while, but I, I give him credit. He played well tonight. He's played well the last couple of weeks. I don't completely trust that in round two yet. I don't completely trust it in the NBA finals yet till we see it from him. He makes me nervous. Bain's one of the few guys on the team I think that I do trust to get hot and bring us back. But, but I want to say – one thing about Zaire Williams also, we mentioned him a few times here. It's a very interesting thing. They sent him to the summer league, right, to become more of an on-ball player. It worked really well with Desmond Bain last year. I, I think Zaire's a finisher. 
Mm -hmm. I don't. I see him as a slasher, a guy you kick it to in the corner. I don't see Zaire as the guy who's going to be ball dominant distributing. Maybe he'll turn into that, but Bain took to it so naturally, right, Matt? I mean, it just it fit him perfectly. Once he got that 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 experience, those reps, it looked like he was just you know, oh my God, this is why his game's expanding. I am concerned about Zaire. I don't see the same fluidity. I think he's got a lot of skill when he's finishing on the break. And, and high above the rim and at the three-point line. But do you see Zaire eventually becoming that good on-ball distributor? I don't know. It seems like that's what he was comfortable with in high school and college. That was what he was always asked to do, always being the best player on his team, being a top 10 recruit in the country before he went to Stanford. He has always had the ball in his hands, but I agree with you. The handle is not as, as tight. Um, going back to what you said about Bain, it's made him so much more – uh, lethal as an offensive player right, because people right. people people do have to respect his his ability to put it on the deck now and and not just spot up and three the the difference between um JJ Reddick spotting up to three and Steph Curry being able to drive on you is astronomical and I'm not saying that if if JJ Reddick developed the handle he would be Steph Curry but I mean it it, it is something that you have to honor that's why guys like Steph can create space um beyond the three-point line because you have to honor him going to the basket as well and being a really good finisher one other thing I wanted to touch on about Bain is um the length of time that he's going to be missing also concerns me because I just feel like three-point shooting in particular is such a rhythm game jump shooting is such a rhythm uh part of the game we saw him at the very beginning of the season before he got his first injury start off really slow, uh, not shooting the ball well from the floor at all, and then goes on this incredible heater run 10 or 12 games where he was shooting it above 40%. I think it's going to be really hard to duplicate that coming out of an injury that's been a month or two plus at that point once he does return. And that part of it concerns me. But even still, even if it is worst case scenario four weeks um, from now that he comes back, I think that it's still plenty of time before the playoffs. And that's what really matters clearly to this team is the playoffs uh, that he can get back in that rhythm. And, and speaking of that, I, I just want to I keep touching on it, but I, I'm glad that they're letting jaw rest in these games and something that's really important to point out is all these games that they've really held him out of that he maybe could have gone one way or the other, the Miami game, the Washington game and the Atlanta game tonight. Uh, it's really important to point out. Those are all Eastern conference teams. So like, this is a concerted effort, I think to rest jaw in very smart situations. Um, I think they, they know that he doesn't have to play against the thunder to win those games. But it is a Western Conference opponent, and that could be the difference between a tiebreaker between you getting the two and three seed, whereas the, the games against the East just don't matter as much. Um, very, you know, further down the list of, of tiebreakers in, in that case, if we were in that kind of situation. So I, I just wanted to point that out as well. And I think on the whole, the Grizzlies front office, the coaching staff has navigated this injury bug pretty well to start the season. Would you agree? Yeah, that's a fair point. It just stinks. I live in an East Coast city, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. But, but your point is your point is absolutely right. Maybe next year, the maybe my wife and I have to make a trip down to Memphis or see him play in a Western. Try to get a full lineup in. Yeah, exactly. All right, um, we will leave that there. Hopefully, Bane, we will see sooner rather than later. Uh, but for right now, we will see you guys in the climate corner right after this.
All right, Dave, now down in Climbing Corner, we are recording Monday night, December the 12th. December the 15th is a big day in the NBA. Uh, a ton of guys in the league are going to be eligible to be traded. Most of the guys who signed contracts in the offseason are going to be traded. So really, December 15th through the trade deadline is the true NBA trade uh, season. So that's going to be firing up here pretty soon. You had sent a guy in our Slack that interested you. Um, that you were interested in possibly the Grizzlies going after Cam Reddish? Well, I, I wanted to talk about it because yeah. I, I heard reports that the Knicks are asking for a second round pick. And there was some conversation on Twitter that that would be a price the Grizzlies would be willing to pay. And, and then I dug a little more into it. And, you know, why are the Knicks looking to move this guy? If you look, the Knicks have won four in a row. You would think they're playing pretty good basketball. And all of a sudden, you know, now Reddish is available. And, and let's face it, a guy who's a rotation player in an NBA team, they're going to give him away for a second-round pick. They want him out of the building. I, I don't I don't like that kind of move for the, Mem for the Memphis Grizzlies. So we give a second-round pick to the Knicks to take someone that they can't use, a pick that well, – he was a very high uh, lottery pick, if I'm not mistaken, right? And, um, uh, yeah. Yeah, Reddish. And, 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 and the, you know, like I said, the Knicks are playing – Pretty good basketball. One four in a row. They're sitting at the sixth spot right now as we tape. And so, you know, here, you know, he's averaging 8.4 points a game, a couple of rebounds and assists. I don't know. There's something about that. that I, I feel like it's a little bit of fool's gold. The price is low, but it's low for a reason. Yeah, that's interesting. So you're, you're not buying, you're not buying Cam Reddish to the Grizzlies. Anymore. No, I, although like if you remember opening night, I really liked the intensity that he played with in that game against Memphis. I really liked him in that game. And apparently just hasn't sustained because again, a team that's winning, why would you be shaking up uh, one of your, one of your guys now uh, just for a second round pick? Yeah, I don't know. I think there's a lot of contributing factors. Um, Cam Reddish is a guy who was highly recruited, goes to that Duke team with RJ Barrett and Zion. And I think it's interesting that both he and RJ on the Knicks have been met with a little bit of disappointment from Knicks fans, um, obviously um, Cam comes over in a trade. He wasn't drafted there, but RJ is a guy that they spent a, a number three pick on, and and maybe that was the right pick still. But uh, you know they really just missed out on the opportunity at one and two in that draft, and, and and maybe that's why some of the disappointment with RJ. But I I just feel for a guy like Cam Reddish. He seems like he's not. I don't know, I, and, and maybe I'm reading you wrong. It, it seemed that you were alluding to there must be something else that we're not seeing, and it doesn't. I, I kind of feel that way. Yeah, I, I just, and, you know, and, and, um, and it does, and I think that's fair for because the price is a second round pick. But I think a guy like Cam Reddish, like you, you are if you're a front office like the Knicks, you are more tied to guys that you did draft than those that you didn't. Like, I don't think they would put out that Obi Toppin is available for a second round pick, but I would rather have Cam Reddish than Obi Toppin. But the fact of the matter is they drafted Obi Toppin and they didn't draft Cam Reddish. I like Cam Reddish's game a lot. It seems more that he has not accepted the fact that he is not as good as Zion, John Morant, and R.J. Barrett, who were the top guys in that draft. Um, and, and I think that that may be a contributing factor is that he thinks he is better than maybe he is and hasn't had an opportunity to really explore his ability as a role player in this league and has uh, maybe grown frustrated with that role that he isn't getting the ball as much as uh, some other guys that maybe he thinks he's better than that can happen. But I will say there has been some, you know, some flirtatious 
uh, conversations, some eyes across the bar, so to speak, between John Morant and Cam Reddish. They both have said that they respect each other's games and like their games uh, a lot. So there's obviously some sort of kinship there. I love the idea of Cam Reddish for a second round pick. I, I kind of am of the belief at this point that the Grizzlies don't need to invest so much more in the draft, especially a second round pick in the future. Like I, I would rather take a swing on a ga- guy like Cam Reddish. Oh, than, than I agree this- with that. I, I yeah. agree with that. I'm, I'm not at the point where I think we should just be just hold, you know, holding on to our draft picks for the next four or five years. I agree. I think, in fact, the draft capital we can – start to 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 move for pieces that can play now in fact uh, to that point uh so i was talking with someone on twitter and said well well dave if you just accept the fact that the the window for the grizzlies is like 2024 2025 you know you'll feel a little bit better things i said well wait a minute i i don't think the window for the grizzlies is three years from now i mean just because the kids are young I, i think we can win this year i really do and, and I think, you know, by the way, in three years when Wemba Yamba is killing it for the Rockets or the Spurs, we might not win our division. I mean, this kid's going to be unbelievable. And, and, you know, the league changes fast. Two years ago, Utah was number one seed in, in the West, right? Phoenix Suns last year, and the Phoenix Suns look like a mess right now. This league does not stay static. And so if we think we're just going to cruise along and three years from now we're going to, like, have our window – I think that's the wrong approach. And and so I'm agreeing with you on that, that, that Reddish might be worth the second pick, but where does he fit Matt in the team? Like he's not happy with his role of the Knicks. Now, is he going to get more minutes coming to this Grizzlies team? That's so deep. I don't think so. Yeah. That was going to be my next question to you, but I, I'm kind of with you. I would rather, I don't know. I still am such a believer in LaRavia over Roddy. I like Roddy. He's looked better in the last couple of weeks or maybe even the last month. He's been on a good stretch of, of, of basketball in, in that role and, and LaRavia not playing um, could have a factor in that. And, and I'm kind of with you. I think that they're so deep and, and still invested in the young guys that they have that there's really not a spot for them. But I, I, I don't hate the the opportunity to, to grab a guy with a second round pick as talented as we've seen Cam Reddish can be. And he's a guy who we know could shoot the basketball. I don't know how much I want him dribbling and trying to create his own offense, but I know that he can knock down a couple corner threes. I want to move on for a second here. I got, I got a take, I got a trade take on one of our guys, Dave. And I got a, I got a question about a trade for another guy from you. So I'll start here with, with my take. I think moving into the summer, and this is something me and you have, um, been on is that this summer the, the the Grizzlies should look to acquire another wing that can relieve some of the scoring opportunities. And I think that if they don't win an NBA title this year, I think that that is going to be the case. And I think this summer, Tyus Jones is actually our best trade value asset, in my opinion. We've always said, and people widely agree across the NBA, they even said it on the national TV broadcast, this guy can start for most teams in the NBA. And we've seen that over his last two starts. All right. We saw it against Atlanta tonight, 22 points, 11 assists. You go back to the Miami game, 28 points and 10 assists. He's proven that he can be a starter in this league. And there's a ton of teams that would really like him, honestly. Like think about the Lakers if they had Tyus Jones instead of Russell Westbrook or Patrick Beverly. Or a team like Minnesota with D'Angelo Russell, who I think is maybe one of the bottom five point guards in the league right now. And a guy like Tyus Jones who can just set other people up and get your offense in motion, it would be really valuable to those teams. He is a guy – you know how on airplanes they always say, like, 
fix children's masks before you fix your own. Like Tyus Jones is <laughs> that as a point guard, bro. Like he can make sure everybody else is getting theirs and getting into the offense before um, he starts to take over himself. And he has also proven this season, not only as a starter, but also coming off the bench, he's made a big leap. As, as far as scoring as well. He's been a really good scorer this season. He's made a big jump. Um, and, and that's my take for this summer. I think Tyus is our, is our best trade asset. I think there's a ton of teams that are looking for a point guard like him. And, and here's my question for you about another, another guy. And this is somebody I've been thinking about a lot over the last week after we played them. Is Jimmy Butler not the perfect Memphis Grizzly? Like, think about how good of a leader that guy is, how tough he is. In my opinion, he's just a perfect Grizzly. Like, he does all the little things well. And in my opinion, he was the best play. He's been the best playoff player since the bubble. Like, he has been a – there's been such a jump from him from the regular season to the postseason over these last three postseasons where they've made runs towards going to the finals in the bubble, going to the Eastern Conference finals against the Celtics last year. Like, he is just a he's just an incredible player, man. And I think that that's the kind of guy that can really take a ton of pressure off of a guy like John Morant, especially once you get into the playoffs and making people respect that you have another guy on the wing who can get tough buckets for you and can really just take over a game. And in my opinion, I think having the th third to fourth best wing in the NBA is way more valuable than having the number one best backup point guard. Like, I think that that is what leads you to NBA titles is having an elite wing player like Jimmy Butler over Tyus Jones. What do you think about that? Yeah. Oh my goodness. I, Jimmy Butler would be great on this team. And so he, good. Play, he plays man's basketball, mm -hmm. right? And, and we talk about, you know, guys that you would want on the floor in the Western finals, the NBA finals, Jimmy Butler would be fantastic. And I think he would sort of like not having to be quote unquote, the guy and could kind of just play his game and, and, and probably reddish too. Also in this point, these guys probably like playing with Ja, right? They, they, yeah, they would of course. Love coming to Memphis and like running with John. Ja let Ja be the, the vocal leader of the team and the focal point of the team, and just kind of blend in and then stand out when you want to in certain situations. Jimmy Butler would be great. I think his 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 uh, <laughs> alpha would be welcomed on the team in certain situations when things get really tight in the playoffs and he's not afraid to take a, a tough shot. I really, I like him a lot. I, I think when you mentioned him, I think that's a great, a great suggestion. However, I, I disagree a little bit with Tyus Jones in the sense that Draymond Green has a lot of value to the Warriors. I think Tyus has a little more value to the Grizzlies because John sits some games, gets hurt. We see Tyus step up in these like tonight played a very steady game played a very professional game tonight I don't have the same belief in him that I think another team would reach out and say man like he's like the piece that we need like I don't think he'd be great on the Lakers I don't know I'd have to see it I think he's a nice player I mean if you look at him he's still only averaging 10 points a game five assists I mean on limited minutes right he's only he's playing 24 minutes a game roughly I think he's an, a really, 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 really good backup point guard in the NBA. And I think he's in the perfect role for him, the perfect role for the team. I, I could be proven wrong. Sure. Now, but again, if, if he's our trade asset, I don't think he's going to get us a player back just him. I think it would have to be like Dylan Tyus and a number one or something like that. And, and maybe he would be valued, you know, as part of that kind of package. Uh, I, I'm not opposed to moving him, though, especially with Kennedy Chandler playing well. And I do think 
that Chandler's going to mature enough that he can take even more of those Tyus minutes. And Bain comes back. He's a facilitator. I think we could kind of cover that a little bit. Uh, but let me ask you this. If, if the Grizzlies are going to start putting trade packages together, is Kenny Lofton on the table at all? Why did he play four minutes tonight? I don't. I, I really just – I'm not of the belief that other people across the NBA are even aware of yeah. the of the Kenny yeah. Lofton, like, experience the way we are. Like, I think it is such a Grizzlies Twitter-heavy thing. Like, I don't, I don't think Kenny Lofton's been on – sports center or anything like that you know what i mean like i just don't think the average nba fan is even cognizant of him and i don't think that he is necessarily a guy that moves the needle for a trade package he might be a a good throw-in piece if it's a team that's really like trying to load up on young talent a team like utah uh perhaps who is who is willing to take a swing on him or maybe even use him as a starter similar to what we've seen the thunder do with guys like um What's his name? Robinson Earl, um, the, the kid from Villanova. Jeremiah Robinson Earl. It, it, it's a it's a move where you are saying, hey, we're going to throw a guy out there, but we're trying to lose this game by playing this guy. Like, I could see somebody maybe trying to take a swing at Kenny in that capacity um, and, and maybe just let him be, like, their number one scorer or something like that or, or add him to that young Houston core and just see – just throw stuff at the wall and see what works. I don't think he really moves the needle. Uh, going back to the Tyus package to Miami, I, I'm with you. I don't think that – I mean, just from a contract standpoint, Tyus for Jimmy just doesn't work. You got to sure, throw sure. in some some extra pieces, and, and that kind of brings me to my other th- – and, and really this, this, this thought of trading with the Heat also comes with the theory that I think that they're going to try and blow it up a little bit this offseason. They're struggling. We saw how uh, a really, you know – shorthanded Grizzlies team handled them really easily um, not that long ago when they had all their dudes. They flamed out a little bit in the playoffs. Well, I mean, they they were right there with the Celtics, but they were kind of holding on with, you know, glue and duct tape, in my opinion. Kyle Lowry is always a question in the playoffs going forward, in my opinion. He's an older guy. And I think that that's a team that I could see trying to go younger but still stay competitive. And – Let's also not forget that Jimmy Butler has asked out of Minnesota, Philadelphia. Like he is anytime that something has not been working, he's ready to go. All right. He is a guy that wants to win. He wants to be in contention to win. And if this team is a seven, a six, seven, eight seed going into the playoffs and they get bounced in the first round by Milwaukee, I think Jimmy Butler is going to want to hit the bricks. I don't think he's going to want to stick around for them to try and, and make this thing work one more time because that roster is really old. And honestly, guys, like, they played well in the playoffs last year, but the, the amount of the time that they relied on Gabe Vincent and Max Struess last year in the playoffs was concerning. Like, those are those are fine players, but they can't be guys that you really hang your hat on. So I, I think that, that that Heat team could look a lot different going into next season. And, and I just, I'll, I'll finish with this here on the Heat thing. I've just been infatuated with their roster the last little bit because I think they have nice pieces. They're just not playing well right now. Yeah. I got to be honest. I, I love Jaron, but uh, let me, well, let me just ask it to you like this. Who do you think hangs up first, contracts aside, and the Grizzlies probably adding some picks, but just Tyus Jones and Jaron Jackson for Jimmy and Bam Adebayo who do you think says no first in that? It gives the Heat a little bit more youth, but still some skill to stay relevant. And it gives the Grizzlies maybe a chance to go into that contender uh, stratosphere. I think Miami hangs up. 
because I I didn't know you're going to throw in Bam to that track. I think Bam I just I'm I'm in love yeah. with it. I think it'd be such a great fit. Yeah, Bam is a is a really nice NBA player. Love him, uh, and he's fantastic. And I mean, I just think the the Heat would say, Jaron has to be in it. You got to give us Zaire. Yeah. You got to give us Tyus. We need two number one. I mean, I I think that I think Bam Adebayo and Butler because the Heat are 13 and 15 right now, and and really I agree with you. They don't look like a finals team at all right now the way the east is constructed they probably should move some of these pieces and start looking to the future because they do have some talent i don't think that's enough to get it done but we might be on to something in a sense I-, I would hate to move jaron at this point you mentioned the eight blocks tonight and there's times he looks just fantastic and so i i, I kind of want to see it play out i don't want him to go somewhere else and become the player we all think he's going to become wearing a Kings uniform or, you know, a Brooklyn Nets uniform or, or in this case, you know what I'm saying? Whatever the Jaron story is, I'd like to see it as a draft pick for the Grizzlies play out at least for the next couple of seasons. Yeah. (laughs) It's a, it's a trade that I'm in love with that I've been falling asleep at night thinking about, but it is really tough to, to, bring it up um just 30 minutes after those were the two best players for the Grizzlies tonight in a huge win uh we may lose one or two listeners for that or they may just turn us off after I just tried to trade the two best players for tonight but my overall point is this if the I'm with you that the Grizzlies are now in contention for a title this season and they should take that very seriously and I'm okay with them trying to play it out with the roster as it is currently constructed but if it's another second round exit this year this summer, they need a splash move like the one I just laid out for you. They have to do something like that to really move the needle and and take advantage of this championship window. Yeah, running it back isn't always just the best option, right? Yeah, no, it, sometimes it takes a shakeup, and I think that it's something that you've mentioned before. Sometimes we have to stop being fans for a second and think about, all right, well, is this, is this a move that actually makes the Grizzlies better? Um, being a, f- a fan of the team more so than the players sometimes. And w- and it's easy to fall in love with guys like Tyus and Jaron. And I think they're going to continue to have great seasons for us. But it's something I'm going to keep my eye on. I think that that, that is very possible um, that we see something involving one of those two guys or both uh, in the offseason. Uh, all right, that's it for Climb Corner. A lot of good debate there uh, <laughs> with some fake trades and some moves um, to improve the Grizzlies. Let's Uh, Move on now. We're going to catch you in the next segment talking about the next 10 games for the Grizzlies. All right, Dave. So Grizzlies, as we mentioned, have been undefeated in the month of December, but really tough schedule to finish up the month and and really going into January as well. Um, It's going to be interesting. I'm really looking forward to this week of basketball starting with Thursday with the Milwaukee game. Uh, what are kind of your feelings for the next 10 games, um, maybe even including tonight? What do, you, what do you think the rest of the month looks like for the Grizzlies? Oh, man, it's it's white knuckle time, I think. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm so glad we've been playing well. Uh, winners are eight of our last nine and giving ourselves that cushion because, you know, you, Milwaukee coming up and then a four-game set at Oklahoma City is no picnic. I hate the Joker in Denver, Phoenix, and then Golden State on Christmas. It'll be super fun. But coming out, then we got Phoenix again. At Toronto is a tough one. The the blazing hot Pelicans on New Year's Eve. And then the Red Hot Kings. It's a really, really difficult but very fun stretch, Matt, I think, the next uh, 9, 10 games. I'm fascinated by the two with Phoenix because they look really 
sort of like uh, in trouble right now. Uh, maybe some leadership issues in the locker room. They don't look right to me. And the fact that New Orleans with that Zion dunk, and they came back the next day and beat him again, um, two days later beat him again, and Zion was fabulous in, in, in that Sunday game. The, the, the Pelicans look like a really, really legitimate team, and I'm interested to see how we handle the Phoenix Suns. Those are the two games. Of course, the Christmas Day game is going to be fun. I hope it doesn't become a trap game where we overlook some of these games. We're so excited for Christmas. But those two Phoenix games, it could really put some distance also in the standings if we could sweep those games. Maybe let's say we go six and four in that 10 game stretch, including tonight's win over Atlanta, six and four, seven and three. If we would, I would be thrilled. Yeah, that would be incredible. It's really a fun slate. Um, as yeah. much as I've enjoyed watching all these wins in a row this month, I'm ready for them to play some upper echelon talent. And that's going to start with the Bucks on Thursday. I'm super excited to see that game. Um, going to be a real test and may have played into the fact that um, guys like Ja and Steven Adams just didn't go tonight. Uh, maybe if they could have pushed it, you know, if we were in a playoff series or something like that for tonight. But I, I think that played into the, the fact that they didn't play. And I'm really looking forward to that game. Uh, again, another Eastern Conference game that doesn't matter as much, but you want to measure yourself against the best. And I think Milwaukee is one of the best in the entire league. So I'm looking forward to that game a lot. And that the you mentioned the Suns game, and I, I really think the first matchup when you're coming from Denver, you're going on, you know, after the Bucs game, it's a three-game uh, or four-game road slate at Thunder, at Nuggets, at Suns, at Warriors on Christmas. And I think that that Nuggets-Suns back-to-back is going to be really tough. Um, just travel, and those teams usually have pretty good home court advantage as well especially in Denver and you do have three days off in between those games but I think that they probably lose one if not both of those matchups even though mm -hmm. I do agree with you the Suns have been um, kind of on a downfall I really you know it also I, did, I didn't really make a prediction um, or write one down by any means because it also is so dependent on the lineup like if you tell me jaw is going to play all 10 of these games then i think six and four seven and three is very realistic like you said if jaw is not going to play but two or three of these games then i think going 500 over the next 10 is a really good record you mentioned going to toronto is never any picnic they defend hard they're well coached great yes. uh home court environment and, and advantage there that is no picnic i disagree i i think the thunder game they have their number the Grizzlies dominate them <laughs> and and in the last two matchups Dylan Brooks has just shut down SGA I mean yeah. he's not he's he's been on a tear against every single team not named the Memphis Grizzlies so I really have no fear about that game at all but yeah I re and I really hope obviously looking forward to the Warriors game but that Pelicans game on New Year's Eve man like that could be a real matchup between one and two or tied for one or you know two and three looking to move up whatever the case may be I think that that game on New Year's Eve is going to be um a, a huge matchup it's kind of wild that Christmas has, has crept up on us so soon but yeah that 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 um, first matchup with the Warriors is going to be great as well well I love the Pelicans game on New Year's Eve because we don't go out for New Year's anymore we usually have the grandkids over and have you know the family over for a big show like oh my god I got I got a great Grizzlies game to watch tonight I don't have to watch like the Dick Clark countdown on ABC or what you know I don't have to watch one of those countdown shows I can actually put on a an exciting NBA game yeah so 
Yeah, it, it is going to be a very fun next couple of weeks, especially because we're also uh, running into some teams that have been a bit surprising. Sacramento, you know, let's see how good they are. We haven't played, you know, played them in a while. The, the, the Pelicans, I'm excited to see them again. Uh, and, and, and even Golden State on Christmas, they really got up for that Celtics game, didn't they? That Saturday night game on ABC this past weekend, they looked really good. Yeah. And uh, I, I just always, you know, respect the, the champion. They're only 14 and 13, but they're, they're still an awful lot of fun to play. Should be great. Should be great. Yeah. Yeah. You talk about New Year's Eve, actually a great sports day uh, for New Year's Eve. Yeah. We got both the college football playoffs and we'll catch the Grizzlies at seven as well. So that's going to be actually an excellent day to uh, not do anything and not worry about going out and uh, hanging out and watching a little, Let me ask little you that, games. Uh, before yeah. we move off this segment here, I, I think it's going to be interesting over the, the, the two Phoenix games to really get a good look at Chris Paul, because I'm kind of off of Chris Paul right now as an elite player in this league, what do you, do you still think he's the point God and all this? I mean, I don't think he's very good anymore. Averaging under 10 points a game. I don't think he really impacts this season at all anymore. They're Devin Booker's team. Yeah, they definitely have made the transition to where he, it is Devin Booker's team. No doubt. It's hard for me to discount Chris Paul. He has always been one of my absolute favorite players, even though he's a massive nuisance and like people hate him. But like, I think his ability as a point guard, it's part of the reason I love Tyus so much, just his ability to set up your offense so well. And then the the mid-range game that he has added um, as his career has progressed is just incredible as well. But, yeah, he's definitely taking a step back. I wonder if part of that is, um, is intentional. I wonder if there has been some conversations about making this a handing of the torch to Devin Booker this season and making sure that Chris Paul is ready for the playoffs because that has been a concern throughout his career as well. Several injuries in his playoff career that have led to massive failures. Um, and I think that the national um, perception of Chris Paul and the Suns as a whole was definitely affected by their loss in the playoffs last year, getting blown out in that um, game seven against Dallas just didn't show up at all for one reason or the other, whatever you want to believe. But yeah, it sounds like, uh, you know, it's been widely reported that they all had COVID, so that that probably played a factor. And I think that that maybe had some people off the Suns coming into this season. But we're not that far removed from them going on a really good run and being the number one seed just a couple weeks ago. Teams go through this. They have slumps. And, and another thing I would also point out about the construction of the Suns is they didn't really get him a backup point guard. Cam Payne, fine, is a fine player, but he's not a guy. Um, that you can really rely upon that much as a backup point guard. And, and that leaves a lot of it uh, to Chris Paul. And I think that they should have done a better job in the offseason, kind of adding to that position for them to take some pressure off of them. But Devin Booker has obviously taken a step forward as being the initiator and the creator of their offense. Um, and it looks really good in that role. So I still think the Suns are dangerous. Uh, they still have guys like Jay Crowder that they can still flip and improve that team and that they have moves to make as well. And I think that they will be buyers at the trade deadline to um, continue to bolster that roster. Um, speaking of contenders such as the Phoenix Suns, let's uh, clean up here with our final segment. We're going to do our top four NBA contenders, college football ranking spectacular. <sighs> All right, Dave, let's finish up here with our top four NBA championship contenders as voted on by the college football playoff committee. I want to start Dave with this. We have uh, a, a pretty funny last rankings. Honestly, it's funny to look back on. We haven't done this segment in about two weeks. 
Um, so I'll just start here. Milwaukee was at number one, Boston at two, Phoenix at three, uh, Atlanta at four. So Phoenix and Atlanta, two teams that we've kind of ripped on during this show at three and four, um, five Cleveland and uh, a team that me and Xavier will not quit. And then uh, at number six, we had the Clippers. Um, so really funny to look back at those yeah. rankings. There's, there's probably four teams in there that we wouldn't even mention, uh, or at least three that we wouldn't even mention at this point. So I'm interested to hear your list, Dave. Give me your top four. Yeah, we have seen some some change. I still have the Celtics number one. I didn't love the game Saturday night against Golden State, but the, the Warriors got up for that game. It was it, it was fun. I, I still think they're the best team in basketball. And and again, we, we don't just do this by record. So I, I, I think Boston, uh, even though, yes, they have the best record, they're going to get my number one. But number two, I am going to go with the Pelicans number two. They have played extremely well, seven in a row that they've won nine of their last 10 and climbed it's like a rocket to the top of the Western Conference standings. I don't know if they're necessarily the best uh, team in the West, but they're playing like it to me right now as a legitimate team, a nice blend of veterans. Nice to see Zion consistently back on the court. So I, I'm going to put the Pelicans too. I'm going to have Milwaukee sitting at three. Actually, this, this past weekend, uh, took my daughter out of town and, and we, we had to stay in a hotel Friday night and, and the game I had to watch was Milwaukee and Dallas. And how about that comeback by the Bucks? They won by one point in a game where uh, I thought we saw the best and worst of Luka Doncic, actually. Uh, I was kind of happy they, they won. I'm going to put Milwaukee three, and I'm going to put the Warriors still at four. I don't care what the record is. I love them come playoff time if they're healthy. Uh, but although in fairness to these rankings, and in fairness to you and Ian Xavier, if the, if the Warriors are still sitting at 500 in January, February time frame, I got to really, really revisit that. I just think they're the fourth best team in the league. Memphis is so close. I had Memphis four and I changed it. I really, uh, I like the way the Grizzlies are playing. And by the way, there's whispers, there's whispers out there right now, Matt, from the Brooklyn Nets. I'm just saying there's whispers. I, I had been hearing those whispers as well. I okay. also, I also considered them, uh, for my top four. Interesting list, Dave. I got to be honest. I did not um, see that coming. Obviously, I already have my list, so I am um, tabulating the results for the uh, official rankings for this week, which I will get to you in just one second. Um, but very interesting that you have uh, Golden State still in that mix. Yeah, great win over the Celtics. Obviously, your number one team. And if we were doing the college football playoff rankings, truly, that would mean a lot for your resume, right? It's, it's beating the number one team um very recently so yes i i definitely understand where you're coming from there with uh the warriors still being included i did not have them in my list um but we will look at my list right now now that i have the final results all right so my list dave i am with you i've come around to the celtics being the number one contender unbelievable um, what they are doing on both ends of the floor. It's incredible right. that they've made a huge jump in the three-point shooting department, uh, both in terms of quantity and efficiency. That makes them a really deadly um, team. They have also struggled with some injuries as well and have been without Robert Williams, um, who's going to be one of their best interior defenders, obviously, and they're going to rely on him a ton come playoff time, I would assume. Uh, and and the, the leap Jason Tatum – has made over this season is insane. There's really two ways that teams can bounce back from um, losing a title. We've seen it with the LA Rams this season in the NFL, where they look dead in the water 
But Boston is a different story, man. They look like they're on a mission, especially their top two guys and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Um, they clearly have made it a personal mission that they're going to come out, play every game, play really hard, and kill every team that they see in front of them. Uh, you're not going to win every game, so no, no slight um, or no, no worry to me that they lost that Celtics game. Number two, I still have Milwaukee um, in the two spot. I had them as number one last week, but as I said, the Celtics have looked super impressive. Um, but yeah, Milwaukee. As long as you have a guy like Giannis, you are definitely in contention. Um, injuries as well on their side, and they have some opportunities to improve uh, around the fringes come uh, their trade time as well. So I, I really like the Bucs still to be in that top conversation. And then making their debut for their list, uh, for me, you guys know this is not a homer pick because I have not been super high, uh, and I have not included the Grizzlies in my rankings thus far. But I, I'm, I've turned a corner, Dave, and I'm with you, man. Like, I don't think the – the window has to be in the future. I think the window can be now. It is wide yeah. open. It is wide open in the West. And we have no idea what this team really looks like as fully constructed. We have not seen this team all on the floor at the same time together. And I really think that they have a super high ceiling. I think they have a higher ceiling than New Orleans. And they've proven uh, going back the last two seasons that they just have more playoff um experience obviously uh being in it and being in those fires i think is uh super helpful and, and adds to your ability and obviously guys like desmond bain and john morant have made huge jumps this season and that's what you need to contend for a title and then in my four spot i actually uh do not have the pelicans on my list i would have them in that five spot but number four i still have denver in there i think joker is Ooh. still uh my favorite player not in a Grizzlies uniform in the NBA, just the 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 uh, things that he can do on the floor. He He's incredible. I love Joker. I think that they have a ton of weapons. They also, you know, I've said it about every team because it is true of every team. Everybody has injuries. And uh, obviously guys coming back for them are going to really help as well. Michael, once they get uh, Michael Porter Jr. really rolling, uh, coming off an injury, and Jamal Murray obviously having um, a big, you know, injury that he's coming back from this season looked really good in that Portland game. I like them as a ceiling, um, as a team with a really high championship ceiling as well, more so than I really trust the Pelicans at this point. The thing I love that you do have the Pelicans at two, though, is they have the most opportunity to improve their team. They have so many assets. Um, they have so much trade cap, um, draft capital for trade that this team could look completely different come playoff time. So I, I don't blame you for having them in that spot, but. Um, I love yeah. the bounce back game against Phoenix after Zion did the dunk and they had the, mm -hmm. the, the confrontation. I really thought Phoenix was going to beat him in the rematch two days later, uh, come out with fire in their eyes, you know, and, and I don't know, I mean, New Orleans, New Orleans, that they took a haymaker. They, they came back and played really, really well that Sunday. And I, I thought that was a very nice win for a team. And, and just to see Zion growing and, and, and becoming a, the player, maybe everyone thought he was going to become, it's, it's great for the league. Yeah, it definitely is. It's, it's super fun. Um, I'm glad. I want them to be good, and I want that that matchup on New Year's Eve to mean something um, yeah. and for them to be battling for the division, the conference, the standings, everything. Um, and that series is one apiece, right? We beat them once they beat us once so far. So that'll be, that'll be um, to, to decide the first three games of that series as well during this season. Uh, but, yeah, so that's my list. Celtics, Bucks, Grizzlies, and the Nuggets. Uh, and Dave with the Celtics, Pelicans, Bucks, and the Warriors. And that gives us our overall rankings of um, this week, which is going to be the Celtics in the number one spot, 
the Bucks at two, the Pelicans at three, and the Grizzlies coming in at number four right. on the official rankings, Golden State and Denver in that five-six spot. Uh, and we will check in again with that shortly because it does uh, it does work better for the system when we have a third guy uh, to yeah. add. His well, I think, I think if Xavier's well. here, he would have voted by proxy with, with the, for the Cavs, right? Yeah, yeah, that's definitely right. And I left them off my list uh, in that five-six spot. I probably would have had New Orleans and Cleveland. I can't quit them. I really love a guy like Evan Mobley, but they did. Um, at least they were losing to the Spurs before we they got on. Lose. So yeah, yeah so. Um, maybe it was, uh, but only ended up losing by one. They were down big once we, um, first started, uh, chopping it up. So yeah. Um, yeah. So they, uh, we'll say that that was the reason they didn't make the rankings this week, uh, up to the, up to the second updates for the official NBA title contender rankings as voted on by the college football playoff committee. That's our show for this week, Dave. Thank you again for joining me and, um, chopping it up without Xavier. We had to do a lot of, uh, a lot of heavy lifting tonight, but tell the people where they can find you on Twitter. Uh, yeah, well, first of all, hopefully, uh, Xavier, you feel better soon. And uh, and also the disappointing news, Cade Cunningham's out for the year. Yep. Uh, so wishing him a speedy recovery. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at DLB19338. Great to be here. We have big games coming up. Uh, hopefully we'll do the rankings again, maybe after that Sacramento game. Uh, we have a couple more games there uh, to see where the team is headed. And by the way, before I sign off, Matt, uh, did you see the Christmas Day NBA commercial yet? I saw I heard it like in the background. I think I was starting to write notes for the show and I heard it over here, but I did not see it now. Yeah, yeah you'll like it. The people will like it. It's like, you know, they're oh, putting wait. together a Christmas Day uh, show or something like that, you know, with puppets and stuff. And it's it's clever. It's cute. And and they, you know, and of course, it's so cool to see Memphis a part of that. No. Yeah, actually, I think I was just on my phone and I looked up because it was the grizzly coming out of the chimney. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah. It, made me laugh. Yeah. it was kind of fun. Yeah, I did catch that one. But nothing beats the. Um, the NBA Christmas commercial where they're all shooting, playing Jingle Bells. It's like Katie and Steph and Harden and all those guys. Um, that was an all-timer. But, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that Christmas game. And I would have to look at the calendar. But hopefully we'll be able to do a pod right shortly after that. But we will um, we'll see how that goes with the holiday. I hope everybody does have a great holiday. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt H. Gill. You can follow the Grizzly Bear Blues uh, Twitter page as well at SBN Grizzlies and check out grizzlybearblues.com as well for all that written content. Check out the game recap and the report card for tonight's game against the Hawks. Always great content there on the site and follow our Twitter page for the show as well at the core four podcast. Thank you guys all for tuning in and we will talk to you next time.